I just do because honestly, these last two games have been so good to watch as a big Giannis Antetokounmpo fan. Just someone who I like look at and just am amazed at how dumb he is on the basketball court. Hello and welcome to the Tuesday, July 13th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're enjoying the NBA Finals. Hope you're all having a fantastic day. And thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I do have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell so you won't miss an episode. And for my all my podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review if you're on Apple. And just show your love in any way possible on Podbean, Anchor, or Spotify. Thank you guys for all the support. Over 3,000 downloads on the podcast. Almost 40 subscribers on the YouTube. Thank you guys so much for all your support. I know I haven't been as active on the social medias as I would like. But I'm back working. I'm also going to go back into another job soon. So that's just an extra layer to it. It's been kind of hard to manage all this, but... I always got to talk to some NBA basketball, especially because it's the NBA Finals. And now things are getting started. I got to still put out some NBA content. But as you can see by the production of my in my Instagram page, it's definitely going down. But I will definitely try my best to continue and, you know, do two episodes a week at the very least. And once the NBA Finals is over, I'm going to try and um, get a more concrete schedule as well for podcasts. So, you know, it's not like sporadic all over the place because, you know, the only reason I'm doing these episodes like in so many different areas is because... I want to catch it after games. I want to talk about a certain amount of games and stuff like that. So, you know, I got to do what I got to do. I got to um, manage my time better, but I'm still here. I'm here to provide you an episode. And, man, do we have a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about Game 2 and Game 3 of the NBA Finals and also going to preview Game 4 and also discuss some things at the very end, um, just some other news just around the NBA. But, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. Again, thank you guys for all the support. Um, hopefully, I can get a more consistent posting schedule very soon. And yeah, as you can tell, I mean, with my job now, I mean, I'm working with children. Um, I'm a camp counselor now, so you can tell by my voice, it's a little bit, you know, different. But I'm still trying to bring the energy and still talk, just try to talk to the manager because, man, these NBA finals have been awesome. And yeah, going to be a lot to talk about. So without further ado, I'm going to quit a little rambling on before I talk about my job too much. Let's just get right into game two because, you know, I didn't get to talk about it last week. So we're going to start with game two. We're going to talk about the Suns winning this game 118 to 108. It was just a, the it was the battle of not the, even the battle of the supporting cast, but the the difference in this game was the supporting cast tilting in the Suns' favor compared to the Bucks. Because when we look at the Phoenix Suns box score, you had... Um, Devin Booker for going for 31 points. He was fantastic, especially from 3, 7 for 12. You had 23 points from Chris Paul. You had 11 points from Jay Crowder. And they also got 27 points from Miles Brid- um, uh, Mikhail Bridges, which was absolutely fantastic. Compared to the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, Giannis, for a guy coming off a hyperextended leg, just played absolutely phenomenal. 42 points, 12 rebounds, 4 assists. But the problem was his second best player this game, was Pat Connaughton, and when that is the case, it's going to be really hard for the Bucks to win. And look, they tried. They tried keeping it close, but it just wasn't enough because 
they got Chris Melton shooting 11, um, 5 for 16, 11 points, and, you know, Drew Holiday, 17.7 assists is okay, but 7 for 21 shooting is not good. And there's quite a bit to unpack in this game, and mostly from the Milwaukee side of things, because, you know, Giannis, someone who we had concerns, I had concerns going into the playoffs, I'm into this finals, about his health, looks completely fine, looks very healthy, he's been playing absolutely out of this world, and we're going to talk about more about that in Game 3, and he put everything on the line, not only offensively, but on the defensive end, which was insane, like someone that can go like 100% on both ends, you don't see that much in the NBA. I mean, if you look at the top guys, I mean, when Russell, when Westbrook won MVP, I mean, he had to kind of tone it down on the defensive end. LeBron, you know, nowadays he's got to take some plays off on the defensive end so he can be at his very best on the offensive end. Same thing with Kevin Durant, yada, yada, yada. But with Giannis, it's a, it's a rare to find someone who plays this well on both ends, and it's it took a lot out of him, and he just needed even a little bit of help in this game, and he couldn't. And... And that was basically just the story of the game because the Bucks were behind, but they were never out of it. And this is like one of the things I kind of took away from this game. Like you got Giannis, especially in the third quarter, 20 points in that quarter. Only, I think this like this is the first player since Michael Jordan in the 93 finals. Funnily enough against the um, Phoenix Suns where a player scored 20 um, points in a quarter in a finals game. Giannis is the first person since Jordan. I mean, you got to take that in. I mean, that's just incredible. And look, he did everything he could. I mean, I think the like the smallest lead, like in, in terms of like when the game mattered, was like a five or a three point game. But once Giannis got off the court, man, it was ugly. I know, like Giannis kind of started cramping up there in the fourth quarter, and he left. And then you got you know that possession where the Suns had like three offensive rebounds leading to a Chris Paul three. You had a Devin Booker three, and then it just ballooned up to a 10-point game again. And look, it was just bad all around. And the thing is, with this game, I mean, they won the Giannis minutes. Giannis was a plus three on the court. But when Milton was on the court, minus 15. Um, when Holiday was on the court, a minus three. Not too bad, but still. Like, he was a negative on the court. And Giannis just needed a little something. Just needed a little something, and he just couldn't get it. He just could not get it in this game. Compared to the Suns, I mean, I talk about the Bucks supporting cast. I mean, Chris Milton just refused to shoot in the second half. Only six, um, six shots. Drew Holiday tried to keep firing away, but his shot wasn't hitting. Compared to the Suns, it was just a completely, completely different story. I mean, Devin Booker was the best player. 31 points, 5 rebounds, 6 assists. Almost 50% of the field, but 7 for 12 on threes. The Bucks just did not close out in time. I mean, that's part of their um, defensive scheme, like letting some threes. But, man, Devin Booker got some open ones. So you had that going for them. You had Chris Ball still playing good, although with the eight with the six turnovers. But then when you got Mikel Bridges playing as, like, a top three guy on your team at the moment with Chris Ball playing that way and Devin Booker, it's over. The Suns win. And this is what I'm talking about in terms of supporting Cavs. Because DeAndre Aiden, 10 points, 11 rebounds, he was fine. He was fine. It wasn't like a game one where he was like 22-19, and 19, but he was fine. But then when you got Mikel Bridges stepping up for 27, Jay Crowder, 11 points, and I seen the stat, I think it was from like Rob Lowe on Twitter, where, um, or something like that, one of the NBA writers, who said that the, um, that the Phoenix Suns are undefeated when Jay Crowder's over 10 points. I mean, these sort of little things, I mean, well, 10 and, or like, undefe- not undefeated anymore, but because of game three, but... You know, these type of things, I mean, they're getting help from the supporting cast, and it just, like, it's just, um, 
it's just so different to the Bucks. I mean, I don't even talk about the eight points from Cam Johnson, who has been fantastic for them all playoffs so long. I mean, Monty Williams trusts his guys, and they are producing. Then you got two those two max contract guys over there in Milwaukee, and they're not producing. It, it, it just kind of hurts because Giannis is putting out everything on the court, even if he may be hobbled, even if he may be injured. It just isn't the case, and that's just honestly, honestly unfortunate. But the Phoenix Suns, they're getting everything they wanted. Their crowd was rocking there at um, in Phoenix. I mean, the, the camera angles, some of the guys that they put on camera were very, very interesting characters. But you can just tell that the, the Suns fans are hyped. Um, the Suns players are feeding off of them. And they are playing extremely, extremely well with Chris Paul leading the way. They hit a bunch of threes in this game. And look, their third guy, DeAndre Aiden, did not even play great. But they still got, you know, Mikkel Bridges going off for 27. I mean, that's just insane, insane. <laughs> I still cannot believe that the Philadelphia 76ers traded away this guy for Zaire Smith and what? I think it was like an extra first-round pick. No, no, no. The 76ers could have really used the Mikkel Bridges right now. Plus, his mom worked in the organization. Oh, my goodness. But he's just played great. He's definitely an unheralded star for this Phoenix team because he is also one of their best perimeter defenders. And if he's giving you, like, 27 points, not just from the inside, from the mid-range area, from the outside, him just being comfortable with a shot, you you just got another element to the Suns that it's just going to be really, really hard to stop. And when you know, a supporting cast isn't really helping him, it's going to be an easy victory for the Phoenix Suns. And yeah, this is just really good for the Phoenix Suns, and this is what's led them to a 2-0 series lead. Um, in the NBA Finals, I mean, they protected home court, and you know the age old saying, um, this game, the series doesn't start until the home team loses. It still, you know, it it still hasn't happened, because in Game 3, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks were basically in a do-or-die scenario, because if they lose Game 3, it's not a matter if the Suns will win, it'll, it was a matter of when. And Milwaukee kind of erased that doubt right away. They um, they knew that they had to come up with energy, and they dominated. Winning this game 120-100, to 100, protecting their home court for the time being. And look, at the supporting cast from the Milwaukee Bucks in this game, the one that I was bashing in Game 2, finally showed up. I mean, Giannis. Okay, we're going to get to Giannis later because he was just another, phenom- just another phenomenal performance, but... You got guys like Brooke Lopez, 11 points, 21 points from Drew Holiday, 18 from Chris Middleton, even 11 from Bobby Portis. And look, 4 for 12 shooting is not the greatest. But this guy's energy, this guy was feeding the crowd there in Milwaukee. They, I've heard this like the second or third time this playoffs where you keep hearing the Bobby, Bobby, you know, those Bobby chants. And you could tell that he's becoming a little cult hero there in Milwaukee. And not just the fans, but the players just feed off of Bobby um, Portis's edge. His energy, just it, he's just so important to this team. And although he was 11 for 12 in this game, 4 for 11 in this game, he was still a very, very big contri- um, con- um, contributor to this game. But Giannis, Giannis Antetokounmpo, I thought it was going to be really hard for him to duplicate what he did in Game 2. And, you know, rightfully so. 40 and 10, just the way he was just getting everything he wanted in that third quarter, I thought, I'm like, there's no way he's duplicating this. Well... <laughs> In Game 3, this guy had a 41-point, 13-rebound, 6-assist performance. The third person in NBA history to have back-to-back 40-10 and 10 games in the NBA Finals. Um, right next to LeBron, right next to Shaq. He is in that class, and he is absolutely dominating the Phoenix Suns. And look, I think the Milwaukee Bucks might have found something here. Because 
I mentioned it in the episode with um, Juan last week in the Ma- uh, from the Max and Juan cast. You should definitely go check that out. We t- I, I discussed how with Dario Sarge going down with injury and the fact that they're barely playing Frank Kaminsky because, you know, he's big, but he's not a defender. I mean, they got to play a lot of Torrey Craig at the five. So I was like, if they get any sort of foul trouble on DeAndre Aiden, it's going to be a problem for the Suns because you're going to be forced to use a Frank Kaminsky, a forced to use a Torrey Craig at center. And it's just going to create so much problems against a Milwaukee Bucks team who would just um, would love to just be inside all the time. Like with Giannis, with um, Bobby Portis, just completely punishing you inside. And for the first time in a while, I mean, we saw DeAndre Aiden get into foul trouble. I mean, he hasn't done a lot of that. I mean, we've talked about in, in previous series that, you know, if you fouled out DeAndre Aiden it's, or just get into foul trouble, it's going to really hurt the Suns' momentum. And he's been really good um, thus far in the playoffs of, of controlling his foul situation. But in this game, it was a, complete, a completely different shift. And the, the Bucks took advantage, especially because the Suns, although they were getting a lot of good offensive production from that small ball lineup, you know, with Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, Campaign, Devin Booker, and Chris Paul, they just couldn't secure the, off, the defensive rebound. They couldn't play defense against... All these cuts that Milwaukee was doing, either sending Giannis to the rim, sending P.J. Tucker, Brooke Lopez, Drew Holiday, just anyone. They just couldn't finish off defensive possessions because the Bucks are just too big. They are just too big. And once you take DeAndre Aiden out that court, it's just easy pickings for Giannis. And you could tell he was getting inside. He was hitting some fadeaways, some hook shots, just dominating offensive rebounds. He was just absolutely fantastic absolutely fantastic this game but I do not want to give all the credit to the Milwaukee Bucks for winning because compared to the other games in the series the Suns had a rough night they really did I mean I talked about DeAndre Aiden going to foul trouble that's the reason he only played 24 minutes but before that he was good it's 18 points 9 rebounds 8 for 11 shooting um, from the field he just got into foul trouble and he really just couldn't get into his groove because he like it's just so much pressure on the inside that he is heavily, heavily relied on. And once they get back to Trey Crowder, they get past Mikel Bridges. Um, DeAndre Aiden is asked to do a lot without fouling. And sadly in this game, he got uh, a majority of the fouls. But he, although he was playing good, even Chris Paul was playing good. 8 for 14 shooting, 19 points, 9 assists. Their best player, in my opinion, in this game was Jay Crowder. He was. I mean, this is the first game um, in the entire playoffs where Jay Crowder scores over 10 points and they lose. And because he had 18 points in this game, 6 for 7 from 3, he was hitting shots. He was doing his thing. But the problem was, I mean, the star players, most, uh, mostly in particular, Devin Booker, <clears throat> just didn't show up in this game. He just didn't. And look, I'm not going to, like, you know, just bash him a lot. I mean, a 10-point game is a 10-point game. It's bad. It's a pretty bad game. But, you know, people have their moments. People have these have moments. Devin Booker had... Um, his moment in the playoffs. I mean, he just looked really pissed on the on the sideline as well that he couldn't really get things going. Three for fourteen shooting, one for seven on threes. It was just a rough, rough performance for the um, for the Phoenix Suns in this game. And a big part of it. I mean, I talked about Jay Carter having hitting the six threes. Remove that from the Phoenix Suns, and you have them shooting three for twenty five on threes, which is eighteen <laughs> percent. And look, as much as the Bucks played well, and I'm not taking away anything from them. The Phoenix Suns were just off this game. They were just off, and it happens like that. It just happens. But it's not really how um, they played this game, but it's how they're going to respond. I mean, 
Giannis was just dominating all game. And this is a guy on a bum leg. But he's still dominating, looking like the best player on the court by far. I mean, he was just absolutely fantastic. Well, how are the Suns going to counteract that? It's going to be really, um, really, really tough for them. Especially because with their lacks of bigs, which if the Bucks stick to the game plan, they can really, really expose the interior of the um, of the Phoenix Suns. But yeah, before we move on to the Game 4 preview, I just want to talk about Giannis for a bit. I just do, because honestly, these last two games have been so good to watch as a big Giannis Antetokounmpo fan. Just someone who I like look at and just am amazed at how dominant he is on the basketball court. But not only him being dominant, but how much hate he gets as a superstar. I mean... Sure, he doesn't have the dribble moves. Yes, he doesn't have the the, the go-to mid-range or three-point bucket that some of the top stars in the league do. But we found this era Shaq. We found this era Shaq. And look, I'm not going to compare legacies, none of that. But even Shaq called it a few years ago. Giannis is Superman. We're not. He wasn't going to give it to Dwight Howard, but he was happy enough to give it to Giannis. And in this final series, he is showing why. With his dribbling ability, with his length, and the fact that he can just grab rebounds and just go up so quickly on that second jump, being so dominant on the offensive and defensive end, it's tough. I mean, how do you not put this guy in the top five players in the NBA right now? Like I, and like I said, he doesn't have you know that shot-creating abilities that some of these other superstars have or these other top five players. But so, Shaq never had that perimeter game, and people have no complaints about him saying, oh, he doesn't have skill and stuff. But Giannis has the dribbling abilities, and he's using that to his advantage in order to dominate, which the Suns just cannot handle right now. And him putting continuous pressure on the rim helps open up things for guys like a Pat Connaughton, a Drew Holiday, a Chris Middleton. He is so important to his team, and people saying that whole thing with Chris Middleton being more valuable in the past, no, no, no. Giannis is the guy. There's a reason he's a two-time MVP. And he continues to show it in this playoffs. I mean, if the way if the Bucks get back in the series and win it, Giannis is probably gonna be averaging over thirty points, over twelve rebounds, over five assists. He is just an unstoppable, unstoppable force. That it's gonna be hard for me to think how the Phoenix Suns are gonna stop this. I really do think it's gonna be a very, very tough task. Um, it's gonna be extremely tough because, especially like relying on DeAndre Aiden so much to protect the paint on the inside going up against Giannis and against all these big bodies of the Milwaukee Bucks. It's going to be tough, but it really just comes down to are the Suns going to um, bounce back in terms of the offensive end, probably, and can the Bucks stick to this game plan? I I talk about Coach Bud a lot and how I do not agree with his coaching tactics at times, but he's getting this right. He got Game 3 completely right, attacked the paint, get Giannis going, and it's going to open up the rest of the floor. And Milwaukee, once they get that ball moving, once they get into a rhythm, they're, there's a reason why they're one of the best teams in the league and a reason why they're in this NBA Finals. They are a good team, but they just need to open things up inside going out. I don't want this outside going in stuff. Inside going out, this is their best chance at victory. So, Game 4, this Wednesday. It's going to be a tough one because this is back in Milwaukee. It's a 9 p.m. start. And the question is for the Phoenix Suns, how... Are they going to um, counteract this Giannis? How are they going to counteract Giannis? How are they going to be able to stop all these points inside the paint? 
because if we even look at points in the paint in this game, 54 to 40, and then Giannis is just completely dominating. So, what do the Suns have to do? I think one of the most important things for the Suns to do, especially here, is be aggressive on, def on defending the first step. You don't want him getting momentum. You have to step up to him. You got to make sure he feels you. Make sure that he kind of thinks twice about going into the paint. Sometimes he's going to settle for that jumper, but Giannis has been smart enough, especially early on that Brooklyn Nets series or, where he kept shooting a bunch of threes. I think he's getting better, um, better to avoiding that and just going to his strengths. The Phoenix Suns, another thing for them to win this game is just get their offensive guys rolling. It was a rough game for the Phoenix Suns. It's it, there's You're not going to get many 3 for 14 games from Devin Booker. I'm going to tell you that right now. But they need to get that ball movement going. I mean, another great sequence yesterday, which ended on the Jay Carter pump fake in three. That was fantastic. But they're going to need more of that great ball more, ball movement. And they're going to have to play better team defense and help DeAndre Aiden out there and just not leave him an island where he's going to have to um, guard Giannis for a, major, um, for a majority of the possession and let Giannis just go to work. They can't let that happen. They got to set some help, try to get the ball out of Giannis's hands. As for the Bucks, they gotta stick to the game plan. Like I said, Coach Bud found something in Game Three, and he has to stick with it. The Suns have no um no answer for Giannis, and the more you put pressure on it, it means that the that DeAndre Aiden is more prone to fouls, which means he gets taken out the game, and that means more minutes for Torrey Craig at center, more minutes for Frank Kaminsky, and that is exactly what the what the Milwaukee Bucks want. Another thing they gotta um, um get going is that. The Phoenix Suns cannot have three of the four best players on the court. Sure, Giannis can be the best player, but if they're the next three best players are like Aiden, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker, they're not winning this game. So, in order for the Bucks to win this one, Milton needs to step up and be one of those top four players on the court. Or Drew Holiday. Maybe you might get a Brook Lopez game. Who knows? But they need someone to be in the top four of players in that game. In order for them to win. Because Giannis is either going to be number one or two. We're already expecting yeah, But who is going to be the other guy to step up? It was a nice last game. Because Giannis being inside. Was able to open stuff up for Drew Holiday. For Chris Milton. For all of them. Now they got to keep doing that. And we're still waiting for that big Chris Milton game. For the Milwaukee Bucks. So hopefully that comes soon. Hopefully that comes home. But if I had to pick a winner for this game. It, it, it's tough. It really is tough. I was really thinking that the Suns. Might take this game. Maybe they might surprise some people winning it um, on the road. But I think if I had to give my own prediction, I would say the Bucks are going to win this game. But it's going to be a lot closer. And the Bucks cannot fold under that pressure. They need to trust Chris Milton. Chris Milton has to hit his shots. Drew Holiday needs to create when he is asked upon. And they got to at least compete with that backcourt of Devin Booker and Chris Paul. Which is going to be extremely tough. I'm going to tell you right now. That's going to be extremely tough. But they need to at least be competitive in that battle. And as long as like one of them are in the top four players in that game, I think that this will be a very um, good opportunity for the Bucks to protect home court advantage and go to Phoenix for game five with the series all tied up. So my official game four prediction, I have the Bucks winning um, game four and tying up the series, guaranteeing at least a game six in the NBA Finals, which... It's going to be very, very good, and I'm very excited to see how this series is going to pan out. Hopefully, the Bucks came out with that same sort of focus, with that same sort of attitude in Game 4, and hopefully this goes along because although I want the Suns to win, and that was my initial prediction, I do want it to be competitive. 
I do want it to be competitive for my viewing pleasure. For fans outside of Phoenix and Milwaukee, for their viewing pleasure, we just want to see some good basketball. Now, before we head on to this podcast, here are some other news and notes from around the league. Um, one of the things that happened over the weekend, which surprised a lot of people, was Team USA losing to Nigeria in an exhibition game, 90-87. I, th- I watched, I think I started watching like midway through the third quarter just to see what was happening. And really, the only thing I can say is that Nigeria could shoot threes. <laughs> and they had a lot more NBA-level players than I thought. I mean, they had Gabe Vincent. They got Precious Achua, who had an amazing block on Kevin Durant. They got Julio Okafor. Um, and they have actually plenty of players that could actually um, are eligible to play for that team in the future. So we'll have to wait and see. But the fact that they got a win over the U.S. after, I think it was eight or nine years ago, where they lost like 154 to 84, something like that, comes a long way. And although this is an exhibition, I mean, Team USA, yikes, losing to Team Nigeria, especially with a starting lineup of Dame, um, who was in that lineup? Bradley Beal, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Bam Adebayo. <laughs> they should be winning that, although I submission or not. I know people are making an excuse, but it's Team USA. They should be sweeping these, even if it is an exhibition. But yeah, at the end of the Olympics starting soon, this team should be absolutely amazing when it comes to um, when the Olympics come around. Other news that's coming um, out is that Colin Sexton is one of the biggest, you know, trade assets for the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and they are heavily shopping him. I don't want to say I've given up on Colin Sexton, but I think he needs a very specific system for him to succeed. Now, can he translate his game to to winning basketball? Maybe, but this guy for me is a gunner who could give you 24, 25 points a game. But is that going to lead to wins? I don't know. So I don't know really what are the biggest, best trade de- um, destinations are for him. I mean. Some people recommended Cleveland. Maybe. I still don't think that Colin Sexton is ready. Um, is like a championship-level point guard, so I don't know if the, the 76ers will pull off that trade. But one of the things I saw, at least from the Cavs this year, is that Darius Garland made a huge step for me and has really, really impressed me, especially because I thought Darius Garland in his rookie season was one of the worst rookies, one of the most disappointing rookies. He was able to bounce back and actually have a really good season. Colin Sexton, for me, is just... You know, himself, he is just um, a gunner. He'll hit some shots. He'll score a lot of points. But would result to wins, I mean, barely. And look, he had that great game against the um, um, against the Brooklyn Nets, and we all love the sex line backcourt. But I think if they want Darius Garland to be their starting point guard for the future, they still have Isaac Okoro. They have a top pick. Shopping Colin Sexton would not be the worst idea in the world. Let's say that. He's not going to be the worst idea in the world, and you might get something for him. You might get something for him because people, because some teams will be convinced that he could be the starting point guard of the future. Now, will he be able to, to be traded? We'll have to wait and see, but yeah, Colin Sexton being on the trade block, it's going to be exciting to see if and where he goes if he gets traded. And some more coaching news. Assistant Former assistant coach of the Dallas Mavericks, Jamal Mosley, has been announced as the um, next Orlando Magic head coach for the next four years. Mosley, literally, like, one of the things I know about him is um, Luka Doncic, when, when Luke Carl was, Carlisle was out, he gave Mosley the chance to coach, and he got a, he got a one win in his, like, one time being head coach for the game. And Luka was singing praise of him, saying he's a fantastic NBA coach, he loves working with him, and he has uh, just a lot of good things to say. 
And I think although the Magic are a bad team, I think the Magic benefit more from having Mosley than Mosley is from having the Magic. Because the talent is just not there yet. But what the Magic are hoping for is some great player development, great player-coach relationships, and apparently Jamal Mosley is one of the best in the league for that. So bring him in, someone who is known for player development, to help out with the young guys, you know, when Wendell Carter, they still got... Um, they got um, Jonathan Isaac coming back from injury. They still got Marco Foles coming back from injury. If Mosley can get to them and help them um, get right and help progress their careers, I think that is a big win for the Magic. And with some top picks coming in, we'll have to wait and see if anything is going to change with this team in the offseason. I know a lot of people are not going to talk about their offseason moves, but it's glad that they got their coach. And I think at this point, there's only two head coaching positions left. I think it's the Oklahoma... Is it the Oklahoma... No, it's the Washington Wizards. And I believe one other team who just who who fired the coach recently. So, yeah, there's very few head coaching positions left. Let's see. Oh, the Pelicans. That's what it was. Um, but, um, yeah, you're gonna be. I'm happy for Jamal Mosley. Let's see if he can, you know, create some progress in, in a magic team. Which, let's be honest, hasn't been re- relevant since Dwight, and then before that, hasn't been relevant since Shaq. Since Shaq, only two. Um, I think only one or two finals appearances in their entire franchise's history. They're looking to progress, and then hopefully Jamal Mosley can help with that. But yeah, those are all the news and notes for today. That's all the NBA bas- and playoff basketball talk. Let me know down below what you guys think of the finals so far. Are you guys enjoying them? I mean, ratings might be down, but honestly, I'm loving the finals right now. Hopefully, the Bucks can bounce back. And just let me know if you have any thoughts on any of these other news and notes going around from around the league. But I think this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels, like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube, and hit the notification bell. And also remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for some awesome content. Again, I don't know when the next episode will come out, but for sure, it'll happen hopefully after Game game 4. I might do like another one like after Game 5. Maybe I might um, review those two games as well, depending on the news around in the NBA. But I will definitely be having it in less than 7 days for sure, my luck. Lo- my next episode, so be on the lookout for that. I'm going to still try and post on on Instagram, on TikTok, just some other things so I can give you some short, quick thoughts. But in terms of a podcast, expect it in the next seven days for sure. Maybe I might do it after the um, Game 5. Maybe this the, the championship is done, but wait and look out for that. And again, thank you guys for the support. I really do appreciate you, and hopefully I can get a more um, consistent schedule once the finals are over once I can like handle both these jobs as well. So I'll definitely try my best to just continue to provide content for you guys. Thank you guys for all the support. But yeah, this is it for today's episode. Thank you guys for watching. Hope you have a fantastic day. This is TV. Take it easy, guys. 